Welcome to the Solomon's Porch Podcast, the podcast from the worship experience of Solomon's Porch at Valdosta First United Methodist Church. We want you to be encouraged and inspired in your faith journey. So sit back and relax, unless you're driving or using heavy machinery, and enjoy. What's not to love about Dr. Seuss? Uh, Anybody know what his original name is, his real name? Theodore Geisel. No wonder he went for Dr. Seuss. I think that was an excellent choice. Uh, You you know, the uh, history books tell us that he could just wallpaper his house with all the rejection notices he got until somebody finally took a chance on it, and every kid and every parent since has loved Dr. Seuss. The stories are so simple, creative, humorous, and often have such a powerful point to them. So today, as we're talking about the gospel according to uh, Dr. Seuss, we're stopping by Yertle. For those of you who I have not had a chance to meet yet, I'm Bob Moon. I'm a senior pastor here at uh, Valdosta First, and I get to work with Shannon, who is over in the sanctuary today. Uh, in the bulletin, they didn't get my name taken out, so it said Sermon Bob Moon. And you all love this typical wacky Shannon. She gets up and she says, well... I'm not Dr. Bob Moon, but I have stayed at a Holiday Inn Express. (laughs) Anyway, uh, but it it is such a uh, joy to be here and to talk with you about something so important and so practical. So let's go to the scripture today, and I picked out this really important text that deals with Yertle. The first half of it you'll recognize is pretty much the Yertle story. But don't miss when I get to the last story at the end in the scripture. It's the opposite story. But let's read about it. Well, then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came over and spoke to Jesus. Teacher, they said, we want you to do us a favor. Well, what's your request, he asked. They replied, when you sit on your glorious throne, we want to sit in places of... (coughs) honor next to you, one of us on your right and the other on your left. But Jesus said to them, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I'm about to drink? Are you able to be baptized with the baptism of suffering I must be baptized with? Oh, yes, they replied. We are able. Then Jesus told them, well, you will indeed drink from my bitter cup and be baptized with my baptism of suffering. But I have no right to say who will sit on my right or my left. God has prepared those places for the ones he has chosen. When the ten other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. So Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people, think Yertle, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them, but among you... It will be different. I want you to repeat that with me. Say it aloud. But among you, it will be different. Let's try that one more time. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's the ugly Yertle story. We're turning a corner now. Listen to this one. 
Then they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, many of the people yelled at him. But he only shouted louder, son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, well, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said, come on. He's calling you. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked. Oh, my rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go, for your faith has healed you. Instantly, the man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. What? An incredible story. What, what two incredible stories there are. Because on the one hand, we have pretty much the Yertle story with the two disciples, James and John, who say, Jesus, if you're looking for awesome people to be at your right hand and left hand, we've got two nominations. We can do it. Because we are not only awesome, you ready? We are awesomer than all of these other disciples you got. What you really need are the two of us. What they missed is that's not the way it is in God's kingdom. In our world, just as true 2,000 years ago as it is today, in our world, it's all about getting to the top of the heap. The world story is the Yertle story. I want to stand on top of everybody else, and I want to be up at the top, and God have mercy on whoever's under me. But in this account from the Scriptures, we discover God has exactly the opposite view of things. In fact, this is the first thing I want to say to you. For Christians, the way up is down. For Christians, the way up is down. We go to the world that says, you have to clamor to the top, and if you have to climb over everybody else and squash them, too bad. But to them we say, no, in God's economy of things, the way up is down. Now, you notice in the Scripture it had two stories. And the first one is, you know, the kind of familiar James and John thing saying, hey, we deserve to be number one. But I want to ask you this question. Mark brilliantly in this passage, immediately follows the story about James and John with the story about Bartimaeus. So here, here's the question. You all ready for this? This is not a trick question, okay? What did Bartimaeus have to offer to Jesus? Nothing. He was a blind guy. He couldn't do anything. I'm assuming somebody every morning would somehow would take him from wherever he lived and put him down here beside the road, leave him there. He'd spend all day begging, and at the end of the day, somebody come take me. He didn't have anything to offer Jesus. James and John were saying, Jesus, choose us. We are awesome. But Bartimaeus said, Jesus, I have nothing to ask, nothing to give to you. All I'm asking for, does anybody remember what he said? Have mercy. He said, I'm just calling out for mercy. 
I'm here because I am in need. And it is just that very person that Jesus came and lifted up. I hope that we as believers can begin to see a new way of looking at things. It's God's way. And he, he reminds us that the way for Christians, the way up is down. It's not about who we climb over, but who we help to stand up. Here's the second thing. For Christians, the pronoun is not me, but we. James and John forgot that. It was just all about them. But, you know, there's something interesting you'll find in the book of Acts. After they got over Jesus' resurrection and were filled with the Holy Spirit, you find this, hey, it's all about me, beginning to diminish. And the disciples are beginning to see, wait a minute, it's not all about me. How can I serve those around me? And in fact, we find by the time they come to the end of their lives, almost every one of the disciples is martyred, put to death for Christ. Why would they do that? Because they've realized there's something way more important than just me. It's about how we together accomplish the purposes of God. And so if my part involves sacrifice, if that will help you, I'm all right with that. It's not about me. It's about we. I love the story, and you've probably heard this before, uh, that comes out of the Special Olympics. You know what the Special Olympics are? It's, you know, kind of games and all for people who have special needs. No, they're not the fastest, the most coordinated, the most anything, but they're just brought together to enjoy the time together. And I love this true story about how there was a, I think it was a 100-meter race. And they fired the starting gun. You know, some of the people were limping. And they just, but everybody was having a good time running along. And all of a sudden, there was a cry. And one of the competitors had fallen down on the track. Something astonishing happened. All of the other runners, when they heard the cry, stopped. And they all stopped and looked back, saw their friend had fallen down, and all of them went back, picked up their friend, dusted off their knees. Then they all joined arms together, and they skipped together across the finish line. And that's all wrong in the world's way of looking at things. It's like, well, you're meant to get across first. Get the gold medal. And they so beautifully lived out that life is not a competition. Oh, we may compete in sports, and there's nothing wrong with that. But life is not sports. Life is not a competition. We're in this thing together. And if we do what God has called each of us to do, we will, in fact, link arms with those who are around us, and we will discover our life has greater depth and meaning than we could ever imagine. So... Our pronouns change from me to we. And then there's one other thing. For Christians, it's not about what I've done for Jesus, but what Jesus has done for me. Now, can we be honest about this thing? We get awfully proud about the things we've accomplished, and it's easy for us to say, well, I've done more than so-and-so. I'm telling you, whenever those thoughts come to us, 
I know exactly where they come from. They come from Satan, not from God. Because God does not put us into competition against each other. God brings us into a place where we serve together. Can we get real practical here? We better. We're coming to communion. We can get pretty competitive and grumpy in our own marriages, can't we? What if instead of saying, well, that old so-and-so ought to know this or that, what if we were to say to our spouse, how could I serve you today? After they passed out and woke back up <laughs> and could answer that question, I wonder what they might say. Isn't it so easy for us to get self-absorbed and, well, they ought to be doing this for me and what about me and... We keep forgetting. It's not about me. It's about us. And it's not about what I've done, but what Jesus is doing. And when we come with a kind of humility, who knows what God might do? And if you haven't got a spouse, if there's a child or a loved one, co-worker, let's just see what God might do. I love youth. Youth are awesome. They just, y'all just are. One of the things that I love about them is they see life often more truly than some of us who are adults. Some kids from First Methodist went over on one Saturday to do a, an outreach project. They went over to this elderly lady's home to clean up the yard. And when they went over there, they did a good job hauled off, you know, cut stuff that was overgrown and hauled it all off, made the place look great. And then, as they were getting it all done and finally were about to leave, she came out. And this lady looked at them and she said, I just want to thank you kids for coming over here and doing all this for me. You kids at First Baptist are just the best. Well, they got home and they told their youth director about the story. And the youth director said, well, you did tell them you were from First Methodist, didn't you? And they said, nah, it just didn't seem that important. Isn't that great? I mean, we're just saying, no, don't do that. We got to get the credit for it. But we're missing the whole point. The kids got it. Who was getting the credit? Jesus was. It doesn't matter whether it came through the Methodists or through the Baptists. That stuff doesn't matter. Because we're here to lift one another up, to bear one another's burdens, to love each other, not to be so focused on ourselves like old Yertle that we forget everybody else around us is worth just as much. And in fact, we are all in desperate need of God's grace. I want to ask you this. Is there any one of us who is here today who's got some James and John in us saying, Jesus, you want the best folks beside you? Right here. We need grace. If that's anything in our heart, we need double grace. You know what? That's what we receive here.
in my office I have a picture and I love this picture because it uh, it's across my desk so that I see it all the time and this is what I want my life to be like I know I don't measure up I know but I'm trying and praying and there's Jesus washing the disciples feet and that's what each one of us is called to and at any moment that I forget that my call is to the lowest place, that my call is to humble myself, that my call is to serve, it's time for you to move me along. This is where God calls all of us. And this is the place where he invites us into his presence. So, here's the thing. Today, as we come to communion, I'm not so much saying to you, all right, everybody, here's what you ought to go do. You know what we're doing? don't know if you're ready for this but Jesus is here and Jesus wants to serve you today whatever your need wherever you've been whatever you Jesus is here to serve you it's that same Jesus who washed the feet of his disciples but it's that same Jesus who died at the cross we were just singing about that a little while ago who died at the cross for you and me he invites you and he invites me to come that we might find all that we need in Jesus you know today is a, a, a special day and I'm gonna invite those who are coming for to help with communion if you'll come on up just a, a word of instruction the uh, ushers will guide you uh, to the places where we'll receive communion remember we receive communion hold your hand hands like this and the bread will be placed there you can take the bread and then just dip it into the cup along with uh, the uh, and, and receive both of the elements together we call that by intinction but just receive that wonderfully and humbly because this is the fact all of us are coming to receive from Jesus all of us are here to receive God's grace today is the international day of prayer for the persecuted church we gather here today with no threat around us we're welcome you know we're fine but we ought not forget there are literally millions of our fellow Christian brothers and sisters who are suffering around the world and today we want to remember them in prayer uh, we also I don't know if anybody noticed this but I think we've got an election coming up this week uh, my daughter sent me a, a, a picture of a sticker. It said, I voted, and may God have mercy on my soul. <laughs> this is a strange voting time, but anyway, we need to pray for our country. And uh, then one other thing, just a, a word of, of gratitude to you. Um, as the ushers are coming down, ushers, will you have the offering baskets with you? So as you come on down, you can put your offering in there along with your uh, connection cards. But last week, we took up a special offering for Kairos Prison Ministries. We, you all were so generous, over $4,500 came in. That covered the whole weekend just right out of our church. The men are there right now today serving, and I'm so grateful that you have enabled that service and that ministry. So as we come now to communion, uh, would you just join with me in prayer? Father, our needs are many. But here's the thing. Our God is great. 
you are great enough for every need. So when we pray for our suffering brothers and uh, sister Christians around the world, you know exactly where they are. You know them by name. We ask for your mercy on them. We ask for provision for them. We ask that you would deliver them and in places where they will not be delivered, grant them courage and faithfulness. Let us not forget our brothers and sisters who are suffering in Christ. And then we want to pray for our nation and ask that you would pour out your spirit that uh, our nation might do the best it can. We still, we in this room want to say we still want to be one nation under God. And we thank you for our friends who are in prison right now, serving you there. We pray for the men that they are blessing and ask that the Spirit of Christ might fill them all with hope and life anew. Well, Jesus, we're coming here not pretending to be any better than we are. said, we're coming here for grace. We want to be those who will humble ourselves and simply cry out like Bartimaeus, have mercy on me. So Jesus, though it is beyond our comprehension, we thank you that at this time you wash our feet and you die for our sins. Give us humility that we might in turn Take that grace and extend it to others. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Solomon's Porch Podcast. We hope you heard some good practical news in this episode that you can apply to your life. If you'd like, we'd love for you to review our podcast on iTunes and share it with your friends. You can also support our ministry by going to theporchvaldasa.com slash give. Until next time, stay classy, listening friends. Mm-hmm.